Today on the Sound Iron Podcast, our guest is Max Histeib, a versatile music producer, sound designer, and visual director with his company Mask Movement, based out of Ukraine. He's known for his diverse music style, incorporating electronic, bass, and cinematic elements. He's an outstanding multimedia artist and colleague and friend of Sound Iron. So, Max, welcome to the podcast. It's good to see you guys, finally. That's yeah. Good to see you, Max. Well, let's let's start at the beginning. Um, do you remember the first time we worked together, Max? Um, I want to say it was like eight years ago. Yes, and it was actually my first, I think, one of the first uh, official commercial video projects that I ever did, like on the international level. Yeah, you did. Uh, I think the first major thing you did for us was the Elysium Harp uh, video, where you did uh, a lot of beautiful drone footage. Exactly, exactly. Those were the woods north of Kiev? Yeah, actually, I combined the footage from Kiev, from, I don't even remember the other locations, but I think it was somewhere in the center of Ukraine when I was traveling at that time. And I was just trying to collect some beautiful footages of the forest and then edit the footage from Kiev. So that's how I combined everything together and then there was a time when we had ability to fly drones here in kiev and i called to one of my friends to take the drone with him and that's how we made it we made uh like i don't know maybe an hour trip to the center of the forest it was really in the deep on the forest and then we also uh, found an interesting footage of the little train that was coming from the one part of the city to another. And yeah, the video is still cool. I still like it. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, it was interesting when we first started talking to you and working with you, you, you had a really distinct visual style uh, that I had not really seen uh, any other visual artists doing at the time. It was like a mixture of, I want to say, abstract modern art but then uh, sort of intense, uh, quick cut video editing. And um, you just had a very bold style that we liked. Um, just unique, not not at all like what I was seeing everywhere else. So it was really cool to work with you. And you would give us an entirely different take on um, on a theme than would have occurred to us, you know. And so it was neat to work with you on that level. Oh, really? I really appreciate it because actually when I started creating music and then video my goal was to inspire and i think the goal was achieved that when we started working together you was inspired by this not just uh, you just received the video and that's it but it uh, gave you some other ideas for other directions so i think it was really cool to uh, do this i i actually started making videos um i don't know I never had a desire to make it something like commercial or something like that. I just started making it because I really liked it and I wanted to create something different and to create it as much good as possible in my situation. And that's why I started making videos in parallel with music because I really wanted to do this. So were you were you doing music first and then video or or was yeah. it the other way around? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I actually started making music in the very, I think maybe I was around 14 years old or something like that. I started recording um, uh, rap records here in Kiev. 
myself oh, right. with friends. I think it was maybe 2003 or so, something like that. It, it was the time when the records of Eminem and 50 Cent were popular and there <laughs> were bands like Lean Biscuit and Linkin Park and System of a Down and I was inspired by this all and I was trying to create something. I was a kid at the time. But then it slowly transformed into a passion with electronic music with breakbeat and drum and bass. Okay. You know, it, it was it it was like that because at that time there were no YouTube, there were no record labels and there were no TV channels that were able to broadcast rap or uh radio especially here in kiev in ukraine in general at the time when you was able to see some rap video on tv it was something special you know because yeah. it was different here i think compared to the united states so th then i think I, I slowly moved to electronic music and i started uh, experiment i started making my experiments in ej maybe you know this software very very old software Interesting. Yeah, I know. I I, I miss. I kind of miss the the old days of where things were hard to find. You know, like where there was no YouTube. Now everything's so quick. It's almost like people don't appreciate it as much. But back then, when it was like an album came out, every time you go to a record store, it sold out, and you're just like trying so hard to get it in your hands. Yeah, and here it was even different situation because I think at that time we even was not able to have official releases available here so i think at that time there were a lot of pirate copies of some records because not all labels were represented here so we had mm. something like a street market here and people were just sell, selling cassettes you know uh, even not, not cd mm. i remember when i was a kid uh when i was trying to access the internet i had this long telephone cable and i was trying to download something when i was trying to download something it it, it was very slow and it can took me a night to download something like a few music videos or something like that and when you needed to connect to the internet you needed to unplug your uh, phone in uh, the room and you needed to plug the Ethernet cable, and then you needed to buy some card, you know, like a card, and there were were access to the internet. Maybe I don't even. I think it was something like one hour or three hours or five hours of internet. It was like that, you know. Oh, like it was limited amount of time that you yeah, can use the internet. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and then I remember when I was trying to find something like an interesting information or just pictures. I was visiting uh, the library and there were a free access to the internet. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was maybe 20 years ago, something like that. So it was like that here. I mean, that's that's essentially how it was in the in the very late 80s and early 1990s here. So it was like, I mean, it was a 10 year delay, but now um, essentially your technical world is about the same as ours. Here we're having a, a high fidelity live stream. It's it's interesting how the you know technology accelerates and kind of levels the playing field and kind of unites everybody everywhere. For us, you know, right when we started, and I want to say, I mean, first getting into sampling development in like 2007, 2006, 
you know, the Internet was where um, it all was happening. It if not for the Internet, this entire industry wouldn't exist in, in any meaningful sense the way it 100%. does now. It was just CDs and sample banks and uh, loose instrument samples. But the ability to create. Well, I was you know, I was exposed to a lot of my friends were using EJ and I was exposed to FL Studio or Fruity Loops at the time. And I'm still I, if, if not for the Internet, I would have never heard of it. And so I became like a diehard user of that. And then it, it opened the door for more and more. Um, I got comfortable with that. And then I started, you know, exploring other DAWs and things like that. And, you know, with the ability to communicate with with musicians and composers around the world, suddenly that's how we reached out to even start the company, to be able to find customers, to be able to say, we've made this cool instrument, you know, and now you, you know, you on the other side of the planet can buy it and we can exchange. And there's no, we didn't have to go to, a, you know, like music stores and try to get them to stock our our software or any of that. It was just very person to person. And It's truly amazing. I agree yeah. that internet uh, made significant impact on music and on art in general and on development in the world and actually how i learned even english language it's because of the internet that's when i started to communicate with people i started practice english more and more and even when i was in school my english level was not very good it was difficult for me to communicate and to express my feelings and it was something else and nowadays I realize that new generation of people have this access to information. But at the same time, there is a lot of things going on on the Internet and the life is going so fast. Yeah, it's good and bad. Hopefully in the end, the balance will be for the good. But at least for now, you know, it's made creators and, and artists and developers all like able to connect so directly and so quickly uh, and and communicate on a level that's much more every day, much more, you know, we're, you know, we all have the same kind of equipment. We all have the same kind of experiences in, in developing. We can share ideas on microphones or, or software to use and, and develop each other's skills really so much more quickly. It's, it's no longer like a, a walled garden where you've got to go to uni university to learn how to use audio hardware. Now you can just, learn from each other, learn from friends, learn from strangers. Uh, YouTube University. Exactly. Like a lot of our podcasts <laughs> yes. and, and videos are about not just our instruments, but how to do things, how to do things that, yeah. that people want to learn how to do uh, in, a, in a kind of a very nuts and bolts way without trying to mystify it. That's how I learned making music. That's how I learned to record samples, how to manipulate with VST plugins how to install VST plugins and how to mix and how to add effects. I learned what is Sunchain. I learned what is layering and everything because of the internet. Yeah, it's it's funny how things snowball because like you might just start doing it just because like, oh, I want to be able to make a beat like this thing. But then once you learn that thing, then it just kind of snowballs if you're one of those people that just kind of get immersed in something and then just go you know all in because i remember like you know like when i first started i just wanted to be able to record guitar di's or have like an amp sim maybe program some drums and then you know i didn't really care you know or think like oh i want to be like a mixing engineer but then like eventually you're like oh i want to learn how to like how do they make their kick drum sound like that how do they make their snare drum sound like that and then it just like evolves from there and next thing you know you're 
doing way more than you initially wanted just because, you know, the, the, with the information being out there and, and the ability to learn it, you know, like, cause not everyone has a friend who owns a studio. You know, exactly. I was kind of, I was kind of lucky to have a, a friend who I was in a band with who, who owned a studio and, you know, I would just sit over his shoulder and just watch him and ask questions. And he was super cool about it. So it's like, but now it's like with the internet, you could just go in type anything. And I mean, in a weird way, you know, when I started, I was, you know, doing internships at radio stations or uh, at, a, at a recording studio. And I learned so much more in the first year after I had left all that, just exploring on my own with uh, with software and like really simple audio interfaces. You know, I just kind of dove in. But a lot of what you would see in studios was kind of I'm not negging studios. But what I'm saying is a lot of it, you know, they bought that equipment for, you know, a decade before two decades. And, and a lot of it was prized for its its vintage qualities uh, or its industry standard sort of status. But it wouldn't move at the pace of technology at that time, at least. You know, there was just so much happening so quickly and so many new ideas and techniques coming out. I didn't learn most of what I know about engineering from engineers. I, I learned it from just trying to do stuff and fear, figuring out like, well, I don't like the way that sounds. What if I do this, this you know, and just continue to try. Experiments. Yeah, I learned more from watching movies or listening to records and liking or disliking things about what I was hearing and experimenting to see if I could, you know, learn from, all right, well, what sounds good and how do I get that? How do I use EQs? How do I use compression? Uh, how do I layer? How do I do all of these things? And it was really just the ability to do it on my own at home that made the biggest difference. And I think a lot of people, a lot of our users, even when they go to school to study music, to really get that kind of boost most of what they really learn about their craft comes from just doing it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Learning and applying is honestly the best thing you could ever do, even if it's experimentation, yeah. because at least you're doing something. I think a lot of times it's it's kind of like people who watch a lot of self-help videos. Like you watch it, you get that that little bit of boost, you feel good. And then it just kind of fades. Like there's no real work. It's almost like you're just hearing someone talk and, and getting an, an experience, but or just or watching a video and someone's showing you how to do it. And you're like, oh, this is cool. I feel like I'm doing something. But it's not really until you sit down and start trying stuff. You know, it's like watching a video on mixing or or composing. If you don't actually sit and apply the the information and internalize it in your own way, it's it's almost kind of like it doesn't fully do anything for you. It's like you know things, but you don't have that internalized. And and that's where it's just, you know, being that person who does it is always going to have more of an effect. Uh, when you were doing inter uh, an internship, like, was there anything that you learned in that that really stuck with you? Or, or, or what kind of internship was it? Like one of those sort of like helping around the studio, learn some stuff whenever they want to show you stuff? Or was it one of those? Yeah, basically the compensation was we got to come in and use the studio in the after hours and the weekends if nobody mm -hmm. else was using it. My main job was honestly duplicating old archival records uh, and recordings that that their customers would send because it was a recording studio, but they also had a duplication lab there that mm -hmm. they would digitize things for people um, or convert to see, you know, essentially digitize the CD, sometimes to to digital tape, uh, sometimes just duplicating cassette tapes because that was still uh, done a lot at the time, even though this was still, you know, late in the 90s. It was still just not a dead form. And so I was using like basically really I guess high-end tape recorders, if you can even say such a thing could exist. But like, you know, it had like multiple Dolby modes and 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 all that. And I had to clean the heads every single day. And mm -hmm. I, I'd have to, you know, I did a little bit of real-to-real -real work there. Although I, 
I learned a lot more real to real work uh, studying radio because just they just made us learn how to actually edit tape, you know, with the diagonal slice and the. Mm. For me, that uh, the internship it taught me actually there were a few interesting things. One, just try and figure it out when it came to hardware. Uh, the few times I got to use the the studios in the off hours, I was using it to try to transfer the the stuff I had been doing at home with a four track into the digital domain and, and kind of remix and remaster it using the equipment they had there. Uh, you know, they had like a good lexicon reverb and then a nice uh, optical uh, compressor from, oh shoot, I forget the name of the company at the time, but it was a really nice optical compressor and they're bored. And it was still coming off of a cassette tape that I had been bouncing track after track. So the take, tape was pretty, pretty rough, but it taught me just to do it and keep going until I would at least give myself the sense that I had gone as far as it with as I could. And the other thing that taught me was studio etiquette. Like I had to get the bagels, go get the bagels from the bagel shop, bring them and lay them out in the in the lunchroom for all the people who were using the studio, you know, the, the artists that would come in. And as weird as that is, I still remember that because it taught me honestly, not just the etiquette in that sense, but like I carried it with me to other future real, you know, like jobs. Um, in the audio where it's it was more like a, a kind of a at home environment it wasn't it wasn't stiff it wasn't as formal as i thought it would be it was very much just people show up in the morning you eat your bagel you get your coffee and you go to work mm-hmm. you know and everybody mixed in the same lunchroom you know or in the same little it wasn't i wouldn't call it a lunch a friendly room. atmosphere yeah it's just very informal very direct and the artists and the engineers and the interns all mixed and just talked to each other like regular people and so it, it removed the the mystique in a very good way. Uh, it just made it normal. And, and I think that gave me this, the confidence to just get out there and do things because I just decided, I mean, it got over the, you know, it helped me get over imposter syndrome to just say, well, of course I should be doing this because why shouldn't I, you know, why shouldn't I, because I want to do it because I think I can do a good job. I don't care if, if I don't fit the profile or have the pedigree, I'm just going to do it. Yeah. And I, I think that's what you got to do, honestly, in in any field, honestly, in any aspect of life. But certainly in audio, the only way to really make a, a dent, to, to really define yourself is to just forget about what other people are trying to define for you. Or And honestly, that's in your own imagination. Most people don't even think about you, you know, in a real sense, like everybody's up in their own head. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we worry about what other people think of us. And so we don't do anything. We don't try anything. We don't pour our guts into it we always hold back or try to mimic what we see other people doing as opposed to saying nah i'm just gonna barf myself onto the onto the page or onto the tape you know onto the recording or onto the screen i'm gonna see what i can create and and not really think too hard about where it fits into some bigger picture or how you stack up against some better known artist it's not a competition it's more like a free-for-all and i think that's the way to approach it yeah, I think a lot of people tend to see people who they aspire to or if they use them as a model and then they're like, oh, they have the things that I want and work, I want to work towards. So then you you feel like you now have this gap that you're trying or you know thing you're trying to reach for. But they're doing the same thing, you know, like they, they have their things that they're trying to work for and they feel inadequate in their own way. And then when you meet these people and you talk to them and you're like, oh, they're kind of just like me they're just like normal people you know but a lot of times people tend to idolize somebody because they have either somewhere they're at in life or they have this much money or this much credibility or this much whatever 
and they're always just trying to work for that. But the thing is, it's like you can't compare yourself to anybody. You know, you have to sit down and talk with yourself and be like, what do I want to do? Where do I want to be? And use and use that as a thing. You know, it's like yeah. achieve your own goals, not try to achieve the goal that someone else has already done. That's kind of doesn't really do anything for you in the end. Exactly. You know? Like you can use someone as a model as like this is kind of like in the frame of where I want to be, but in the end, your journey is always going to be different than everyone else's. So yeah. Jumping back to Max, I mean, you in the same way that you self, you know, you're not a didact. You 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 jumped in early in life and started trying to figure it out yourself and you just would do things you know you would you know and the, the second thing you did for us was a, a trailer for a hyperion strings elements i want to say hyperion strings elements exactly i want to say i think it was ambius prime because that around like when i first when i first came uh, on board prime and then streamer i think also shimmer shimmer yeah, yeah, because I remember when when I was first coming on board and I was doing the walkthrough for Ambius Prime, I remember using a lot of the cool visuals that you gave us as sort mm -hmm. of the backdrop for the UI and the on the walkthrough and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah, I do and I do remember Shimmer too, because I remember when I was uh sharing some stuff on socials, I remember using that video. I was like, oh, like because every, everything you've ever done is very visually interesting, especially the Hyperion stuff too, is very, very beautiful and cinematic, uh, especially for the for the elements, because you got some footage of someone playing out in sort of like a nature landscape and kind of mm -hmm. sort sort of like the Elysium harp, but more like in the forest versus uh, observing the forest from a distance kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember when I also came to local uh, musical university with people to shoot some b-roll footage with uh, music instruments mm -hmm. so i shared a little bit of money with them and told them hey guys just to play just to experiment what you're doing i took just maybe one uh one light source with me just to make some cool uh close-up shots of instruments Mm -hmm. And then actually here in this room, I was uh, shooting some additional, I think, macro shots with photography because I took the pictures from your behind the scenes uh, from the actual recording session and mm -hmm. I made uh, the photos of it. Uh, I printed them and then I made something like a shot when is the camera going uh on top of it just to show a little bit of the story how it was created nice yeah yeah i love that stuff it, it came out great and really cool yeah and i i appreciate the fact that you tried to tell the story because that's always a very important part i mm -hmm. think you know because a lot of times you know people just see like oh here's this instrument but there's a lot that goes into it you know from like the why we wanted to create it to how we created it to the creation of it and you know and then trying to give this tool to people for them to be creative with it so that's that's cool that you you think that deeply about it because it's going past just the the product yeah mm -hmm. i think we had talked you and i had talked about this was you know a, a couple of years ago um when you were doing the footage for um elysium we talked about you know how there were a lot of old ruins in ukraine and i kind of got my start in in field recording just you know, urban exploration, going into old bunkers and abandoned factories and things like that. And you had a lot of that growing up in, in, in sort of accessible to you. What was it like? I mean, you, you did more video footage, I think, of that because you hadn't started really field recording until, honestly, Swords to Plowshares. Exactly, exactly. Before the Swords to Plowshares, I had this field recorder and I was mostly doing something like 
I, I don't know. I, I was doing some experiments in the subway or during the rain or just something. I don't know. Something that I didn't want it to use in a commercial way. I was just doing it mostly for myself, maybe for my music, but not for samples that much. I, I had a lot of experience creating samples, but uh, when I was creating samples, I was mostly using different layers of VST plugins, different effects and stuff like that, just to create something unique. And then maybe a little bit, maybe 20 or 25% of material was added on top as layers of my field recordings. But after source to Pluxer, I realized that there are so much more opportunities in terms of creativity actual in, in actual field recordings because before that time i had big background in music production not in commercial production but mostly in electronic music and in creating digital sound design and i was aware how it works uh, from a to z and then i realized that when we can record something, actually, we can add, we can even capture a moment of time in this and we can capture some feelings, so emotions. And even at first sight, maybe if it will sound generic, but when you will listen more deeply, you can find some unique vibration in this. And if you can add some story to it, it can turn out in really something interesting and this message can be heard by, by a lot of people. Just to, to that point, I wanted to I want to talk about the genesis of Swords in a little bit. But to your point, when you started sending the audio recordings that you were making out during the day after the air raid started, the one thing that struck me that struck me that it struck me was that I noticed that like there are these crows near you. In, mm -hmm. You know, in a lot of the places you're recording, they sound so different than the crows here or the ravens here. They had really? a unique. Yeah, they have a really unique song and it was beautiful. It, like and it's there in a lot of the city environment sounds that you've got, even, you know, even during the raids the, that they would react to the sound and the birds are sound different. Yeah, your crows just sound. I, I don't know if they're ravens or crows, but they just had a much more um, crows. a much more um, unique kind of language to them or or, or quality mm. and you know they had i mean i get birds do that all over the world but it just it struck me as like this this common element everywhere but you know even there there's a unique feeling and quality to them and just hearing that animal sound in the context of an urban environment and this war often in the distance but often really up close you know that the humans weren't the only people enduring this or or in the midst of this that it just was this total I don't know this feeling that 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 you are here. Yeah, I mean, war footage and war audio, I think, have a certain quality that that draws you in, and yet they're separated from everyday life. But when suddenly it's just, you know, it's like there, some of them you had explosions in the background. You know, it sounded yeah. like maybe a few miles off, and then you hear the sounds of people still going about their lives because they have. Yeah, to. yeah, because like talking about this, there is life. Their life is keep going here, so uh, we can hear a raid, and we still need to go somewhere. We need still to do something. We need people need to go to the jo to job. They need to do their daily duties. They need to li live life, and 
not every time when there is an area raid there is an actual treat but most of the time there is a treat so i remember even when uh there were a lot of explosions where the russian forces they were maybe 15 kilometers from kiev i remember they were shooting ar artillery and i remember i still remember this uh, moment when i walking outside the big supermarket and i keep my recorder with me and i just stay near to the supermarket and i click red and i hear the the one explosion the other explosion and people just go in here and there and they just oh it's not here like okay we are alive it's we, we it's good and people still going still walking and wow. i i realized that it was a little bit different yeah but it depends on the situation because sometimes when you realize that it's really close to you for example i have experience of seeing the missile tails outside my window so for example when you look outside your window you can see the tail of the an actual missile and it's just flying this or there and then when you can be a witness of uh, the situation when the actual missile or the fragment of the drone hit the building which is just one kilometer from when where, where you live and you realize that there are people living inside this building and when you go in the morning and see the actual building you start to look differently and feel different during the next time when you hear explosions because you realize this treat that is a real treat it's not just the sound somewhere you know yeah it's like so. maybe a 10 minute walk away I, I mean over here we you know as silly as it sounds we use miles and so i think when we hear the term kilometers it it clouds it but uh, like different. 15 kilometers that's basically what about eight nine miles i mean that's that's a that's a 10 minute drive on the freeway and that's where the russian line well, was yeah exactly they were in european it's and where i was located at that time it was the part of the city closer to this location so it was the district uh which was yeah, like maybe 15 kilometers, like you say, like nine nine miles or something like that. And during that time, I even uh, remember they there was a big uh, billboard on the road out, outside the city. It's like a road between the city and the other districts, which is not um, a part of the city. So I, I remember the time when I was... I needed to drive to the apartments of my uh, relatives just to check if they are okay. And I remember uh, we were driving uh, through this billboard and it was okay. But when we returned home, maybe in a few hours, it was totally destroyed. And then I realized that we were coming, we were driving through this uh, point maybe in 15 or 20 minutes before it was totally destroyed and i remember then uh, there was a place where cars were parked and there was a location of a post office and it was there were there were a total mess like cars were burned and it hit this 
post office. So it was like, uh, I think it was an artillery thing at that time. Yeah. So I, I don't know, maybe it sounds, um, I, I talk about it with a smile on my face because I try to refocus myself, but this is really scary when you are there and when you realize that your life is on the line even in the city during this uh, time and you don't know what will happen next you don't know if russian will uh, inv invade here if they will enter the city or not if there will be water if they'll if if there will be electricity if there will be enough of food because in the stores at that time there were uh, some limitations and some of the stores were closed and it was just unclear what 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 will be the next because I, I even remember that uh, some military machines they entered the city and the actual Russian soldiers were in Kiev not a lot but maybe if a few of them and they were like like ghosts here like they came from nowhere. And then they were uh, cut by local defense forces, but still they were here in Kiev, you know. So um, it was really tough. Yeah. When you were out and and about recording, uh, I mean, just in your daily life, you just had your recorder with you. You were telling me a story about when um, there was a there was a missile strike not far from you, and you went to see it, and you had well, let me put it differently. Like in field recording doing or just even just normal urban exploration, you're you're afraid of getting arrested. You're afraid of getting caught and you're sneaking into places you shouldn't be, even if they're abandoned or you're afraid of getting hurt. But that's totally different than what you had experienced, which was you're just out recording. And yet because of what was going on, because there were soldiers, you know, there were foreign soldiers trying to infiltrate your city and saboteurs, uh, you had kind of a frightening run in you set up uh, related to that, didn't you? I don't know. I just I just had something like a feeling inside myself that this is my mission here that I need to do because I cannot do anything else. I was like a little bit paralyzed because of this this situation and I realized that this is the best I can do in terms of my experience in terms of what I can do and that's how I can spread this message through my audience and through the people around the world. And I realized that there will be a small step in the direction that people can change, can think different. It will be a little change still. So I realized that with every move that I did at that time, it was a little move in the direction that people can hear what's happening here. Uh, people can think in a different way about it, especially musicians that are uh, in a lot of times far away from politics and they can change their thinking and maybe they can uh, somehow affect on the situation. They can call something, they can do something, they can go outside some to some protests against Russian aggression and they can stop working with people who are supporting the other side. So I think it was my mission to spread this information in this direction. And inside myself, I felt that I will do this because uh, I also had my family with me, my 
old mother and my girlfriend at the time and I knew that I needed to protect them and I just needed to make sure that they will have things they need because at that time there were moments when uh, guest stations were closed and there were no guests at all. So I remember the time when uh, in the car there were maybe 10% of total guests available inside the car and I I, I wasn't even uh, I, I didn't knew if I will get the guests uh, if, if if I will be able to drive the car outside the city at the time. So um, yeah, and I, I remember my my friends came to me. Uh, they entered the defense for uh, the local defense forces. So I still remember the time when they came to me with uh ak-47 to my apartments you know and it was yeah. totally different and they came to me with drones and they even didn't knew how to use the drones but they knew that they needed to check the environment in terms of some enemies you know so i helped him help them a little bit just to show how it works you know it, it was just first day or days of invasion yeah, this is what I remember. But then, then you know the story. What what was happening next? Yeah, when you got the chance, I mean, it, there was there was a period where I mean, it was basically right around the winter, winter time. Uh, I think it was late spring, and you you felt like you needed to go potentially uh, west um, when things looked really tense around Kiev, uh, and you went into the mountains, the Carpathian Mountains. Uh, what was yeah. it like to have that contrast where suddenly it's quiet? Oh, you know, um, before the, the last moment, I didn't want it to leave the city. I just wanted to stay here and to be with people here and to do what I can do. At that time, I just, I, I was even helping some uh, homeless people. When I saw someone homeless, I was trying to give him a, a little bit of money or just to buy a little bit of food or to help some old people uh, that were living uh, inside my building I, I i just i just wanted to be useful because at, at the time i i had a lot of uh, energy inside myself and uh, my uh, girlfriend she were more afraid of what will happen next and my mom too so that was the reason when I decided to be with them when they will uh, drive to the West because I didn't want it to let them go alone because it was a pretty long road from Kiev to the West of Ukraine uh, to the more safe of and you was not uh, you didn't know what can happen because there were roadblocks there were soldiers and they uh, it was very uh, difficult situation all around and I just decided, okay, I will go there for some period of time and I will see what will be next, you know. And I that's how I continued my journey. And on the other side, on the West, it was much more different. It was much more calm and mostly it was just like a regular life. But there were a lot of people from different regions. And I saw people from European, from Bucha, uh, who were escaping this place because the Russian soldiers, they were already there or maybe a few kilometers from there. So 
those people uh, were already in situation when they lost their homes they lost their cars they like lost e- like everything in in this and it was difficult to go through this all emotionally around at, at that time I, i was not able to do anything like music or it was just a time when i was trying to do as much as possible something to help ukraine to help people here and to spread the information online through my social media just to spread awareness and so people can be informed of the very tough situation here so this is was the only goal at that time and mm-hmm. i had a feeling inside myself and i hope that it will be it will over maybe in a month or two or three i didn't knew it will take like two years years until like now because mm-hmm. it's already almost two years since the uh, in- invasion of ukraine uh, uh, wide scale invasion can you tell us more about uh well first since we're talking about when you were in the mountains and that kind of it was only a, i think a couple of weeks you were you're saying you were up there but you did a little bit of recording and 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 that's in swords and it's an ex- extremely poignant contrast i think to then what you came right back to which is i mean some of the most sort of traumatic recordings you've got you know came after you return home from uh from there but mm-hmm. just tell i mean can you tell us more basically more of the experience the different things you recorded what it mm-hmm. was like the you know where you know sort of like what were the environments like what did it feel like I think I was just trying to record as much different sounds as possible to capture the atmosphere of one situation of another so I remember I was trying to record some train sound when I was near to the train uh, from what I remember now I remember the time when I was trying to capture some interesting moments inside the forest when there was a situation which was in the opposite of explosions it was something like ambience and something more calm and i was just trying to listen how the little parts of the water drops and i was just trying to catch some calm moment there then i remember i was trying to find something like an atmosphere of the night when there is a really calm night and there is no people there because it's a really different night compared when it was before Bef- because when there was a peaceful time and there was a night time you can still hear some people outside or some uh something going on but in the war time the night is really calm and there is like no one so when you listen to the night at the time when there is no one it sounds different you know and every little move or every every little bird or anything in this environment gives a, a different sound if you know what i mean so i remember even the time when the air raid starting to sound and when there is a time when there is no missiles no drone no uh, not not everything just calmness around and it sounds like um 
the introduction of something, you know, it feels different, you know. And then um, as for other sounds, I just had some things around me. I had a little revolver near to me when I was just trying to play with in terms of different metallic sounds. Then I had something like... I remember the time when I was just trying to do an experiment, when I just going outside and to record different uh, noises around me. It can be a door sound. It can be a sound of my uh, how I walk. It can be a sound when I hit something like a metallic construction that I see near to me. It can be a sound of the elevator. It can be a noise of the elevator. And it can be a sound of the corridor inside the building so i was just trying to record as much as possible of different sounds and then i realized that there is a lot of possibilities during the post-production to play with pitch to play with equalizer to play with different parameters to play with different effects and you can tweak sounds and create totally so something totally different if you know what i mean so it was really interesting journey for me and it helped me to refocus myself and even now i realize that it helped me to stay mentally strong because i had a goal and every time i heard something new i i heard new sounds that i wanted to capture so i didn't have the feeling of fear. I had the feeling of like, let's say excitement. So when I hear a new sound and I want to capture it in terms of something original. So I believe this experience helped me to refocus and mentally survive in the situation when I was at that time, definitely. I think um, that the normalcy of the sounds that your environment uh, was I was talking about this before, but it was one of the striking things you you were talking about when you were at the grocery store and there was uh, an air raid. And in one of the sounds in the library, it's just the sound of shopping cart being pulled away, you know, in one of those little shopping cart uh, corrals. Mm-hmm. And it's the clang of that metal with an ex- combined with an explosion. And it's just, it's like this, the combination, the normalcy and absurdity, you know, a terror. And it's just, it's you know i think that's what's really striking you know and if, if you ever work as a sound designer with old war recordings or you know even more modern ones um there's mm-hmm. libraries out there for like apocalypse now all the sounds they recorded for that movie and there's quite a few and now there's a lot more you know where the people go out to the desert and they you know shoot machine guns or blow things up but there's nothing that really captures it in a way that suggests what it really is like for the majority of civilians stuck in these situations, which is exactly it's not far away, it's not perfectly captured, it's just there. And it's because it's not staged, it's real. Yeah, yeah. The car alarms, you know, <laughs> they immediately go off, and it's like this it brings you back down to this is not happening in some idyllic platonic sense of war. It's just happening to a neighborhood, it's happening mm-hmm. to a town, it's happening to a city. It's just happening to people. I actually actually remember also that at one of the evening, I just sat down and I decided that I want to add a little bit of sounds using 
synthesizers. And I had some, I don't even remember what exactly synthesizer, but I just tried to record some weird sounds to express my feelings at that time and then add a lot of effects just to change it a lot in terms of pitch or something like that, just to translate my emotions in, in sound. So this is also what I added to the source to plug library. I also added some synthesizers just to make some uh, little um, variations of... Actually, I was playing with the source to plug not so long ago, and I realized that it's like an orchestra inside it. You can create a lot of different sounds, and you can mix digital uh synthesizers you can mix field recordings and you have ability to add effects and change a lot of parameters and add rpgator uh, play with lfo and play with different parameters and you can came up with really unique results and i'm not saying it's unique like it's something cool unique it's just something different and it has some particular feeling that can be like a real instrument that can be used by people if they want to have something different and something not just war related but something that uh, will have um, a mix of organic and uh, digital feel you know this is what i feel when i'm still using it yeah you've yeah. got ca captures of like radio sort of noise and interference and and sort of scrambled broadcasts you've got uh, mm -hmm. the ambient recordings uh in the environment you've got sound effects individually captured in uh, on your field recording tracks and then um a lot of sound design to kind of bring it together there's a lot of melodic sort of like tonal instruments that you can play chromatically mm -hmm. a lot of percussion and so i think literally like you can create whole arrangements that aren't just kind of one-trick ponies um i mean you can mm. hear it in a lot of the demos where um all the elements are created from the library you can you know there's bass there's that's what's fascinating it's like um it's taking the whole environment and the whole emotional experience you had and like bring it in and into a playable multi-instrument multi-instrument exactly because i even created tracks like my my goal and my task was uh, I wanted to create the whole track using only sorts to plug sets. And it was really interesting, not because I wanted to use it just one instrument, but I just wanted to learn about my own instrument more. And when I realized that there are a lot of possibilities, it was really interesting to realize it. And I actually created an album already using the sorts to plug shares and I maybe added a little bit of orchestral elements actually using sound iron instruments too and maybe around of 90% of material in this album was creating was created using sorts to plug shares it's not yet released but I really hope it will happen soon and I just want to make sure the final stage of mastering will be how i feel it and mm. i can let it go and just drop it online for people to listen because actually i want to add a note that every time i return to this it's sometimes hard for me to 
work on it and to listen to it again because I have some memories and feelings. Sometimes it's difficult to work on it because it's, I wouldn't say it's like bad emotions. It's just hard memories, you know. Take me back to times where, you know, maybe there mm -hmm. weren't such good times. I Like one of the things I, I personally find very interesting about it is, you know, sometimes people growing up, maybe they're living in a situation where, you know, it's traumatic and they use something like art or music or or something to to help them be distracted from from a situation that's like that. And I find it interesting that you you took this and you, you know, by using the process of, you know, recordings and, and, and all that and then making music with it. And then like you're saying now, when you hear it, it almost kind of takes you back. I'm I'm sure it's probably like that for certain people too who make music maybe in a time where things aren't so bad. It's like you mm -hmm. you take those emotions and you put it into music and then you listen back and it's like, man, at that time I remember I was going through this and it was very, mm -hmm. you know, traumatic. Mm -hmm. You use that as as a way to express yourself in, mm -hmm. in those times. But for you, it's even more because it's like you're not only are you making music with those sounds, yeah. but those sounds were were actually captured moments of those times that were making you I, feel that way. So it's I remember then when I was listening to music with some uh, tough emotions, I realized that I am not alone. And the creator of the music who created it, I think he was trying to express his feelings. But for me, it was helpful. So I think maybe some people who will listen to this music, they will feel that they are not alone and they have someone who can tell a story which is similar to them in some way. So I think it will find its listener. And I want to say that after making this I realized that now it's time to create even something more peaceful and something more with calm atmosphere just to make people be more calm and more peaceful rather than something more dark and something more, uh, I don't know, something more hard. But I wouldn't say it can be something uh, just very light or something, but... I just want to bring different emotions, maybe, if you know what I mean, with what I want to do next, because I feel a lot of struggle and I feel we need to refocus ourselves on something with more like a hope, with a bright hope. And I believe there are a lot of things that can help to do this with music. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Especially when, like you were uh, saying earlier, how when you would go out and in those more calm environments and you're really listening for sounds or just really being in the moment of the calm with, you know, with everything else going on. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's that that's something I, I hope people take away because I think it's very easy for people to just get like, oh, everything's fine. Everything's mm -hmm. okay. I don't have to worry about anything. And and they kind of don't have those moments of just going for a walk and looking at the trees, actually looking and being in the moment, even if it's something simple as just a walk or being out in a, in a more open environment. You know, like I think that probably made you really appreciate just even a moment like that where you can just kind of sit and be like, it's quiet and appreciate it yeah. a little bit more for what it is. I, I exactly. think, I think exactly. more, more people could take away from that because, you know, it's like you never know 
what 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 can happen, what can and, happen and, you, and you and you know to appreciate things and i realized that just in our life we just need to think that maybe we don't need something maybe some things that we see and the goals that society trying to put on us are not important and maybe what we already have and can enjoy is enough to be happy and sometimes i realize that even in music people try to make music to be uh, super popular or to be super successful but at the same time it loses they lose themselves you know so i 100 sure that if you just create and even you just create what you personally like and if it makes you happy it will make happy other people too so the goal i think is just create what you like and try not to think how to be good for someone else yeah i, th I think a lot of people glorify the process too much or or try to you know like get that thing you always hear where it's like if i just had that one piece of gear mm -hmm. that would allow me to make the best piece of music i've ever made and then they mm -hmm. get it they play around with it it's fun and then mm -hmm. you know maybe they just exactly don't really like it as much anymore or, or just fall fall away from it and then there's the next shiny object that's dangled in front of them hey if you just had this thing and it, it's i mean because of course you know obviously we make virtual instruments where we want people to to have different types of tools we're always trying to you know create something to inspire and and that's what you know it should be like you find something that connects with you oh i i feel like you can hear music in your head already with it versus like oh like this thing is you know like the new there's the new iphone here's the new iphone mm -hmm. and make sure you get that new iphone it, and it's it's just a phone like think about when yeah. when we were you know younger and the first cell phone came out it's like oh wow i can call somebody and not have to have this giant dangly tangled cord you know or like rotary you know people forget about i had this like one when i was a kid exactly yeah and so it's like you you it makes you appreciate that but then it's easy to just kind of like oh you know get sucked into that oh i need this new thing but at the end of the day it's like why do we all start wanting to create music it's just because we we loved the the feeling of you know, I still remember the first time I ever jammed with a drummer, actually showing them, all right, here's the riff. And then you hear them play like the drum beat back. And then you're just like that feeling of like, oh, wow, like we're actually making something. This is so cool, you know? Yeah. And and I think that's kind of lost now a little bit, especially with how it's so easy to just get something new, get the new thing. While it's great, it's also, I, th I think, it's easy to get caught in into that whole like needing things versus yeah. like what, like if, if someone was to say, okay, I'm going to get, you can have three things. And that's all you can have for making music. Like you'd probably be a little bit more particular about it. You'd probably be like, well, I don't need that, you know, that new other weird thing or, you know, or that cool little whatever. It's like bare bones. What do you need? You know, meat and potatoes to get, to get the job done. Exactly. And, and, and you appreciate I, that more, I think. And I want to add a little note that sometimes when you have limitations and you don't have a lot, it makes you focus more on what you have and with this little tool you can experiment and create much more and i yeah. realized that this is it even if you have something like a simple recorder or simple microphone you learn how to tweak it how to make it better mm -hmm. and with every small instrument in the similar situation you can create some 
unexpected things. Yeah, actually learning the tool, you know, because nowadays, you know, people might just like, oh, that seems cool. Let me just get that. They don't read the manual. They don't know anything. And then they have this expectation of what they think it should do. And then they're like, wait, well, uh, how come this doesn't do that? It's like, did you actually understand what you were getting yourself into? Yeah. And like a lot of times people, they don't, they're not really taking the time to learn. Or maybe it does do that thing plus 10 other things. They just didn't really take the time to learn it because they, you know, get a new plug in load it up. Maybe they forget they even had it. I'm guilty of that. I've done that too. You know, where it, it's just, there's so many, so many things out there and it's easy to, to just kind of get lost in it. But it's like when you actually really take the time to get a tool, learn how, how to use it fully, that, you know, it's like, it means a little bit more to you and you can get more out of it versus just kind you, of, you can become a professional player of this particular instrument. Yeah. I realize that nowadays when you have access to a lot of different virtual instruments you can have like a real set of different musicians in your hands and i realized that when i was growing up and trying to create music i was always thinking oh i somehow need to find this particular sample or i need to find a particular musician but right now I, right now i realized that with virtual instruments i have like all types of musicians in my hand that i can use to express my emotions the way I wanted uh, as if I was like a music producer. But at the same time, I realized that we sometimes just need a simple instrument to express our emotions and we don't need it all. So it just depends on our mood, but it's still great uh, that we have access to it all because we have a lot of possibilities and it's, beautiful oh, yeah. time i yeah, think that's it, what it's about you know it's start you know in the beginning it, there was this feeling that to to be able to make the music you wanted you either had to be rich or know somebody and the you know trying to record and turn instruments that we could find around us and turn those into things that we could use at any time i, I think the first thing i sampled uh it, it turned into a real instrument a whole instrument was the granny piano because it was just in my living room and it sounded really pretty but in a way that was really kind of hard to define and you know I'm, I'm not a good piano player but i can certainly sequence and 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 bring out what i hear in my head and, and it was a way of doing that and now like with with when you're making a library like this same way you did with swords you get in there and you you take it apart you take that experience or that instrument apart you don't just get the main articulations or hit it you damage it a little bit you wear it out mm. you you explore it and pull that whole experience apart so that it's all there later because that's the thing is you, you you're trying to capture a thing in a moment in time and you don't get to go back so get everything you can out of it that you can you know fully exactly. capture it so that that you've got that you know it's it's beyond just a picture or a video capture of a moment it's it's as close as you can get to going back and being able to you know, whether it's a musical performance, you know, that, or, you know, a library that you've created out of like a, a player playing or or yourself playing or an object that you've just experimented with, you know, that you just like the way if you hit it a certain way, it makes a weird noise that you like. I guess that's the thing is like when you're even writing a song, don't be afraid to like get in there, even if certain aspects that you have in the mix are hidden because you just you feel yourself in them and you feel like every sort of bit of surface area that you can inject your creativity into 
makes it that much more of a little monument to that feeling you were trying to evoke. You know, I think that just try to pour yourself all into it. Don't don't just, you know, try to put out a facade musically or artistically, but try to try to bleed into it a little bit. Yeah. It's yeah. Like you, like you want, it's like you want to I, I, I think the best music I, I feel for me that, that you know, that I've ever made where I, I feel like, like, wow, like when you kind of get a little bit, it's, it's almost like a meditative state where like you just kind of get lost in it. You're not thinking well does this sound cool are people gonna you know it's like when like there's times i've made music and like a couple hours went by and i was like wait kind of it's almost like you come out of a deep meditation and you almost feel like what happened like you know you look at the clock and it's like oh it's 2 30 in the morning like how come i'm not tired or anything you're just like so into it you know and, and i mm -hmm. think if if you can channel that you know when the muse hits sort of thing like that's when it's like the best is going to come out and like you said like really getting lost in it and, and not being afraid of like well like questioning every little move you know it's like those those are the the things like man like if i could harness that and be able to just like turn the switch on that would be nice but it, it's one of those like when you when you experience that it's like you when you listen back on the music you 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 remember that kind of thing like i still have riffs i've written where like when i hear it i'm like i remember sitting down working out the parts and everything and being like man like this was like really coming together and, and you get in that flow state and i think a lot of that is because you're not thinking about you know this is this is this the right move should i do that you're just kind of going for it i think i think this conversation is a good example and introduction to a feeling that i have right now that makes me feel that we can be all together in one studio and create something not just for the record or for a contract but just to express ourselves together and have fun this is the feeling that i have right now yeah yeah i i honestly like i like those are the some of the best times i've ever had making music i mean it, it's it's nice to be able to sit by yourself and kind of get lost in your own head and 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 just kind of work out stuff but there's something something to say for sitting in a room with a few people and just bouncing off ideas you know someone's off in the corner just noodling on some instrument or and you're like whoa 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 whoa, whoa what, what what was that and then you're like oh no i'm just you know i'm just dicking off and just playing whatever and you're like no no do that again and then you then someone else gets something else like and then you just start to see things shape out mm -hmm. and and those are always the really the cool times where you're watching something happen in front of you and you're kind of like, wow, like, I don't know what's going on right now, but this is really cool. And and that stuff, I, I think, is always going to be special because yeah. you're 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 watching something unfold, especially if it's, you know, it's around with people who, you know, you like being around. You'll say you're in a band or you're just with some, you know, music, exactly. music minded friends or whatever. And you're, you know, I think that that stuff is always going to be very special just because it, it took that environment with people thinking the way that they were thinking feeling how they were feeling all for that to happen mm -hmm. and create that because that probably wouldn't have that you know certain musical ideas or songs i'm sure when the beatles were in the room and is probably the sort of the same thing hey wait, what's it you know and it's just you just watch things unfold and it takes a certain type of scenario and group of people i think to make certain things like that happen yeah. the only way i i, I could really ever describe it when you're jamming or when you're working on a piece that you you do know well but you're you know it well enough that you don't have to think about it so much anymore the air gets thick like when you're in a group of people playing together the air i don't know what it is but it like it's like gravity changes and the air just feels like soup and you just feel like you're in the midst of this sort of 
miasma, this sort of connective tissue between everybody. You're no longer like just this isolated person kind of with your instrument, hoping to kind of like fit into what what's going on around you. You're just suddenly in it and you're floating in it. Those are rare special moments unless you can just sort of be in a place where you can let go like that musically with a group of people yeah, mm -hmm. or yourself, but where you just lose, you lose the boundaries of yourself. You, you know, your skin doesn't feel like a surface anymore. It feels more like just a, a cloud that kind of blends with what's going on around you musically or beyond musically. Yeah. It's yeah. like everyone's sort of like connecting with the same mind and like homogenizing creatively. And it's just like, yeah, it's, it's cool when it, it seems like everyone's kind of like clicks and everyone's like, all right, you know, they're all on the same page. It's not like that. You know, that's why when you always see those situations where there's that one guy like, oh, I don't know, man, I really think we should, you know, it's like everyone's just kind of like in it. And and that's when I think some yeah. of the, the, the greatest things are made. Yeah, I think even nowadays when we have access to internet and I just found myself on an idea that it's also possible to do something maybe on remote because uh, Mike shared with me some experience that he had previously with recording station using uh, streaming equipment for audio and I realized that it's really cool maybe sometimes just to take something like a cup of tea or everything and just turn on the camera and just have ability to stream the sound and just play with something without any goal to create a song or something. But maybe in this environment, there will be created something, you know? I think it's pretty close. Um, we did a session to Japan the other day and the lag was close. It was like maybe, maybe a half second when it was good. Mm -hmm. um, or it's felt like it because we were hearing I could hear the loop back through the person in the booth at the other end so I could hear myself and sometimes it would lag a while but sometimes it'd be really close mm -hmm. um, and I think we're getting better and better by the day you know especially with uh, with gigabit internet I think mm -hmm. where you could actually literally jam with people on the same song in real time like you're in a band I think we're five years from that tops I think we're getting mm -hmm. closer and closer it's really interesting. And the technology of artificial intelligence, so-called artificial intelligence, is really interesting because I had a conversation on the other day with the guy uh, who is involved in creating uh, different uh, things for artificial in intelligence for music. And he shared with me uh, some information like, I'm not a good specialist in this myself, but he told me that at the current moment of time, there is a thing which is called imitation. So the artificial intelligence cannot replace the human, but it can imitate the human. And as for now, mostly it's around from 30 to 40% of a human so it cannot be a human it can imitate it but it cannot have the whole creative um potential of a human as for now but he told me that in the coming future there is some machine learning using mathematics and he told me something about quantum and he told me that quantum artificial intelligence will be different and much more closer to the to the human and it will have ability to create and generate music uh, 
uh, with ability to edit it, uh, not just like when you type the prompt and it gives you a result. You will be able to actually tell him like, I want to change something in percussion or I want to change something in the melody or I want to add a little bit more of this or that. I don't know if it's good or not, but the future will be really different, I think, for all of the people. I think, though, the best music isn't because it's technically good or because the people creating it are masters. It's because they feel it, an emotional sort of outlet that creates the whole sort of creative ignition that leads to whatever art they are creating. It's that impetus, that that impulse to 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 create and to create in a certain direction and it's not just random it's not just sort of raw and generative it's there's an intent behind it that's drawn from a feeling um mm -hmm. whether it's a feeling toward mimicry or, but but more often than not it's it's usually from a place of joy or pain honestly mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. or even just aesthetic appreciation you want to you you like a certain feeling you like you know you're playing an old vintage organ that reminds you of say a church or some old song you liked. And then so you kind of just go off of that. It's still, whether it's um, you're reminiscing or you're sort of like feeling an aesthetic or you're sad or you're happy or you're angry, it's it's coming not from an intellectual place, not really. Not I mean, good music rarely comes from a, a purely intellectual place. It can't, I don't think. It comes it, from it emotions and experience. It has to start in an emotion or a desire more than anything else, mm -hmm. I think. I, I mean, I... I there are a lot of really great technical musicians, but when they really create their best work, it's not coming from some technical place. Yeah, because when I still listening to some old records of Beatles or Nirvana, uh, they still sound good. They are not perfect. Like, uh, for example, I was listening to this Nirvana Unplugged, uh, mm -hmm. this live uh, album. And it's really just like an album recorded in the garage, you know? Mm -hmm. And it has emotions and it has some vibration. It's not perfect, but it's really cool. And when I quickly switch to the studio version of um, their popular song. Oh, it smells like Teen Spirit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I compared it and the studio recording was not cool anymore because it lacks something like energy. And when I switched back to the uh, live album, it was much more interesting for me to listen to. Dude, I, I totally agree. Like um, the Alice in Chains Unplugged is one, probably one of my favorite live recording videos ever. And I'm just a huge Alice in Chains fan. And there's songs on there that I like the unplugged version better, you know, because the, yeah. the the album will maybe have like distorted guitars and like, you know, certain vocal harmonies and, and that. But there's something about sort of like the... You know, it's like you can see someone wearing a suit and fancy hair and all that, but yeah. it's like then like you're stripping all that away and you're just seeing like the skeleton of exactly. the thing, like exactly. the the core foundation of the song. And you're really hearing it for what it is. And it's like, you know, when people say like, oh, if you can have, you know, an acoustic guitar or a piano of a, you know, chords and a melody, if that sounds good there, it's probably going to sound good in any context, whether it's like exactly. a full band or orchestra or, or whatever it is, whatever kind of any way that you're going to orchestrate it but that's what I, I i agree with you on that because you're you're hearing it for what it is and if it's mm -hmm. good and it's, it's good 
you know, simplistic way yeah. like that, of course, it's going to sound good when you you know put it in the studio and you got quad track guitars and mic'd up drums and you're hearing it all, you know, not even I wouldn't even say polished. I mean, you know, definitely way more produced than than something like hearing people just playing on acoustic guitars and, and singing and like you're like you're hearing it for what it is. And I think that's yeah. Really cool. It's still a deliberate, like, I, I guess, like, for my, like, there's two albums that I remember, like, really being struck by that aspect. It was the, actually, the Stone Temple Pilots Unplugged uh, performance. It's sort of, like, I'd always been a fan of them, but, like, that suddenly just, it wasn't suddenly this polished uh, rock. It was, like, okay, these songs really have a personal meaning. They're not just, like, creative, you know, sort of, like, artistic constructions they're like these people are trying to express something that's real in their lives in their minds mm -hmm. um and then um i think the for me the greatest like nine inch nails record ever is still where it's it's not live per se but you it absolutely has these live raw elements it's it's you know they're mostly existing songs but that are just kind of acoustically arranged kind mm -hmm. of um there's almost like a tom waitsy kind of vibe to that album where it just feels like a lot of the noise in the room, a lot of the the sort of mm -hmm. textures being explored there aren't about like how good can it sound. It's more like just how there can it sound. I don't know yeah, that... imperfections helps to make it more touching. Yeah, it's like that's why Johnny Cash covered Hurt, you know, and you hear it in that interpretation and you still hear just as much emotion as what Trent Reznor put in to the original. It's funny how a lot of people think that it's the other way around that like Danish Nails covered a a johnny cash song but it's it's that same thing it's like that's probably why and then you see the video and like how he's sort of like using his life and 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 putting the visuals together with the music and just hearing his tone and it's just as emotionally touching as as the original and, and i think that's just it i think that type of thing is is just a testament to the songwriter like trent reznor is obviously great at writing lyrics and being able to convey emotion in a very simplistic way you know just like any any other artist who who can who can take a, a simplistic form of music and and really just like connect with you because I think it's coming from a true source and that's something AI will never be able to do because it's just exactly it's just I, I, of AI. I'm thinking what could be an instrument a virtual instrument if it was created by Rick Rubin what kind of instrument it could be it would be someone sitting in a studio saying hey what if we try taking that guitar and just like flipping it smash it into the wall or you know like <laughs> a picture of rainbows on the wall how does that make you feel all right now put that into a guitar riff <laughs> yeah no he he's he's one of those people like because he's not a musician you know he but he's someone who i i think someone who can appreciate like a good producer i think just understands what they like about music and what's good about music and it doesn't necessarily need to be you know oh you know hey maybe play the instead of that third maybe play it like you know it's like that it, it's like a, a film composer talking to a director it doesn't need to be technical or you know i, I really think you should transpose that key it, it's just like it, it's more feelings mm -hmm. and and being able to to communicate feelings it, it puts your mind in a different space versus like maybe you should try playing that in dorian i think that would be good it's like then now you're thinking technically versus like someone saying like imagine you're sitting on stairs it's like two in the morning you know you've had a few drinks your girlfriend just broke up with you like like how would that make you feel <laughs> it, it it's a little bit more open to interpretation versus sort of like here's this cage i'm going to put you in now have fun with it yeah but that it is that interpretation you're after yeah it's, 
it's that taking you know because i guess that's the thing is like there's really only so many ways your heart can break but there's a an infinite number of ways to express that and and i mean that's like a good percentage of all music is essentially that feeling but all of the things that have gone into it for that person and for all of society that that person lived in and all of human history that created that society it's like a you're the tip of the spear in that emotion and how you express it i i think there's that's why there will never be so, sort of the last song written or the perfect song written and you know i'm not going to nag on ai because that you know one day if we do a good enough job maybe ai will be a person like us in a sense mm -hmm. but rather that as a concept of a thing that's going to replace musicians or all music i think that's silly i guess a way of looking at that is there's so much music being produced now there's i don't know billions of songs uh just on the internet probably at least a billion songs out there now and people releasing cover version of old songs yeah. exactly it's, there's it's yeah, an there's unlimited thousands of supply songs. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's like as as much as there's babies being born every day, there's probably a song being written or or mm -hmm. some some kind of and released. But it's yeah. not being it's not slowing down. It's not like okay, we're nearly at the end. It's more like it just one song can spawn a million other songs that as people are inspired by that song and influenced by it. Mm -hmm. And there's infinite number of all these influences coming from all these these directions, and styles change. And now every style can coexist. Now any kind of music you could want to create, you can create. So it's not like it was in the in the in the last century where every decade kind of had these signature sounds now well you can do those but then you have all of the possibilities of the present and the future i think ai can contribute i think ai can be a useful tool uh and maybe eventually even be true authors but at the same time that's just more to the more to the pot there's just it's not going to be something that if we ever this is just my opinion but if we ever do establish say some some relationship with say uh, interstellar species or interdimensional mm -hmm. whatever eventually as all things it will come down to commerce inner you know trade or whatever if there's ever anything that the, that that our species and our planet has to trade with another world it's our it's our art that's the one thing i think that will probably always be determined to be the one thing that's really unique about us we don't just have one kind of art we have an infinite range of art in all kinds of formats and and, and mediums we can create art from nothing. We can mm -hmm. create music from a couple of sticks. And if you got a microphone, you can create a whole orchestral piece from those couple of sticks if you just do a lot of layering and sound design, etc. I'm not trying to blow smoke up our own asses, although I guess I am. But I do think that that's a thing that, that humans have that can't ever be really diminished. That isn't just like, well, oh, can we like fly to the stars? I mean, up here, yeah, we can. All day long, every day. Mm -hmm. every single night like that's the thing is we can gen we can generate ideas and music and and feelings and wind them together into these orchestrated tapestries of of thought of impulse of emotion of of insight and then we can share that and other humans or other beings can take a piece of that away uh experience it not just as a fancy piece of noise that yeah that feels good that whatever that you can cry over i mean People cry over music all the time. That's not, and that's not fake. And it's not some kind of appreciation for the quality of the performance or the of the of the precision or the, mm -hmm. the intellect behind the orchestration or the composition. It's it's not that at all. It's real, and I think that's something that a lot of people don't quite give humans credit for. We create mm -hmm. art 
like and it's not just generative i mean we talk about how ai is a great you know at making art but they're good at mimicking art we've already created exactly yeah just just having that uh, ability to wonder or be inspired or or just imagine something like you know it's like when you're younger and it's like what if you know this insert whatever yeah you know it's like like when you see people who are like like i want to do whatever you know i want to be a firefighter or whatever or fly to the moon or create some something that's going to change the world you know i think that the fact that humans have the ability to have a thought and if you think about it hard enough manifest it in a way and, and not in like the woo woo way of just like i'm gonna manifest it like saying i'm gonna be a billionaire in you know, 30 days you know it's like yeah that sounds nice but it's like i mean to to i think in in, in the term of manifestation and like ha having a thought that feels so powerful to you that it puts you on that track of a goal mm -hmm. and i think that's where you know like with with humans it, it's a very powerful thing we, we all have that now like when you're in the you know you're standing in the shower and suddenly a lyric pops in your head or a beat mm -hmm. and all of a sudden we, we, before you know it you know, you, you've you've got the whole sound in there. You've got whole orchestration or all the layers. You you hear the music in this three dimensional way that it's um, trippy. Yeah, it's just you you build it out of nothing, and suddenly it's just uh, it's all there. And then you're racing, you know, to go write it down or or hum it into a recorder or or sketch it out before you lose it. But we we conjure and lose these things constantly. Mm -hmm. They're like dreams, you know, and, you know, you yeah. have the most vivid dream and then you wake up and maybe you write it down, mm -hmm. but maybe it just vanishes into the ether. We capture only, I think, a fraction of the art that that we create in our minds. Uh, it's only when it's so compelling that we can't help it, but write it down, at least some of it. And then from there, sometimes that, you know, that little bit you get down will spawn an entirely different idea than what you even had in the first place. So it's yeah. like you're you're throwing out that little spark that starts a wildfire that tears off in a new direction. Yeah, that's crazy. That's a that's a really good analogy comparing it to dreams because that's really how it is. It's like there's this this idea and like the whole like the whole, you know, like you could wake up and tell someone like, oh yeah, like we were here and you were standing there and then this happened and then ah uh, then I, I forgot. You know, or like mm -hmm. when you hear those stories of like Stephen King like waking up out of a dream and like having this like whole story. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, you know, I, it's crazy when you, when you have that, or like there's times where you like written a piece of music in your dream and you wake up and you're like, oh man, it like you were like vibing with it and it sounded so cool. But then when you wake up, you're like, what the hell was that? And that's kind of mm -hmm. like how it is. Like if, if you don't, if you don't channel that muse when it hits, you're going to probably regret it later on. Like, man, I had this really cool idea, but now it's, it's gone. Yeah. It's like, it's like you, when you have those great ideas, you, you have to document them because who, yeah, who knows what could happen if you, if you would have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like if, if I'm starting to write like or I, a lyrical pop into my head and by the time I get to write it down, I'll have like followed through that, like a whole, you know, verse, chorus, verse structure. But by the time I get to write it down, it's, I've only got just those key bits that stuck, you know, and that, that can generate, you know, generate something entirely different in the end. But yeah, you, it's just, it flows so fast and you got to, you know, you're, you're trying to hang on to little drops of it as it flows through your hands. Yeah. And it's weird too, because it, it, it's, it's a different feeling from like when you feel the inspiration and the idea, and then you, you, then you switch over to now you're trying to like hold on to it. And that inspiration kind of starts to drift because now you're in like trying in remember mode. 
and versus just like having, you know, an instrument in your hand and being able to just kind of pour out that inspiration into the instrument at that time versus yeah. trying to like, you're grasping at it, like, Oh, don't leave. <laughs> you know? So it's, it, it's tough, but yeah, you gotta, when it happens, you gotta hold yeah. on tight. But I think the most important inventions uh, in, in musical history, more than anything else, it's the first, it's just being able to record. But beyond that, that that's still only got us so far. The genres were still these very archetypical things and you really were stuck in these grooves and there, it was all very industrial, you know, who got to record and who didn't. But once the four track came, once the ability to multi-track came, then I think that's where, why in the 60s, the, the range of musical ideas started to explode. And by the time we got to the 80s, it, it you know, it was beyond all measure compared, like more music was made in say 1984 than, in, you know, had been created up to that point in a certain sense, you know, more and more people suddenly with the advent of the four track and it's mainstreaming. Mm -hmm. uh, and then beyond that, then digital recording, then, and now where we're at now where you have no limit to the number of tracks and how complex uh, a piece of music you can write and you have no limit to the kinds of sounds you can capture either yourself or through virtual instruments i think that we're at a point now where we are pre approaching that sort of nexus of can that inspiration be channeled quickly enough to really capture what's in somebody's mind it's getting closer and closer i don't think the solution is some kind of mental transference or like you know i think really what it is is just more people making music uh, like we all do now and expressing themselves and colliding those ideas and techniques to get it out of yourself and into the world. I think that that's really what to me, like uh, a singularity is in, in terms of art and music is that anything is possible from anybody's point of view, like whatever their unique as you know, their, their unique view on it is, or their unique aesthetic ideals are, they can express any kind of you know music they want without limits you know and 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 i think that's where we really see how creative humans can be mm -hmm. max i want to ask you mm -hmm. when, when do you feel inspiration tends to strike you is it usually when you're sitting down working on music or do you feel you tend to get ideas doing other things even if you're out doing field recording if you're ever hearing a sound does that ever like inspire you as you're recording it like oh like this sound you know, I could really see this being used for something or is it usually like when you're at the studio away from the studio when when do you how do you tend to channel inspiration yeah most of the time I feel like when I have some experience in my life and I was when I just sit somewhere and I have a lot of things in my head in some particular moment I feel like I need just to express them it can be just a quick demo track or i want to write something like a draft lyrics or anything and this is the time when it motivates me to create and the other time when i feel that i want to create something it's when i feel friendly and good atmosphere for example as we have now i just when you talk i just feel like what can we create you know Mm -hmm. inside of my head because it brings me inspiration you know so for example even sometimes when everything is calm before the sleep and i lay in bed and 
some thoughts come into my head, I can start creating something in my head. And I miss this feeling daily sometimes because I don't have those emotions anymore. So, uh, for example, uh, when I listen to some music and when it reflects some of my emotions, I, I start I start in feeling that I want to create something and I just don't want to copy it. I just want to create it in my own way. For mm -hmm. example, if I hear the song with some particular lyrics, I find similar situation, but I want to share my story. Or when I hear the music that I love so much, I want to create something maybe a little bit similar, but then I feel like, oh, I can mix it with another idea and it can be something, something else, you know, in the end. So this yeah. is the time when I feel that I want to create something. But a lot of the times when I lack inspiration, I just sit down and, for example, I need something new, something like a new instrument, something like maybe a new virtual instrument or just open a new preset and just try to play, just to make some random moves. Uh, same thing with recorders. I just want, I just can record some random things and then during this time i find something like a little thing that i can catch and then move forward you know mm -hmm. yeah yeah let your fingers in the sounds guide you <laughs> yeah exactly it's like you have a solution say in a chemical reaction you've got a solution and all you need is you know and if it's a solution that can grow crystals you just need one little impurity in there and suddenly you know, you find that one little detail and suddenly the whole idea, you know, crystal structure kind of grows off of it. Exactly. And that's when we will return to the motivation when I was creating the virtual instrument. I felt like it can be this little thing that will move somebody for something bigger. Maybe someone will, will hear will hear this uh, instrument and it will inspire him for something super large and the world will be a little bit better. Same yeah. with anything else. You know? Yeah, that's yeah. always the goal. <laughs> little contributions, but it can lead to uh, just much cooler things that yeah, will lead exactly. to future contributions that other people be inspired by. Mm -hmm. That's how we keep mm -hmm. moving forward. So it's 2024. What's what's next for Max? What like what what are some things you got some goals? Anything that that you're wanting to achieve either with music, with video, visuals? What 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 are some of your goals that you have planned for the year? The main goal for me right now is to focus on what I really want to do because I realize that life is the thing when uh, in life you don't have enough of time and enough of time and. I realized that I really want to focus on music and music that have a clear, not clear, but a message, a message that will be interesting for people with lyrics. And this is what I want to do. I want to continue writing music and in parallel to do sound design and to mix it all. I preparing a release of my single very soon, I hope it will be released in February or March. It will include my music and also my voice. So this is like an interesting experiment for me too. This is what I'm planning to continue. 
Awesome. Yeah, you definitely got to send us some links once uh, once you've put it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely got to check it out. Well, Max, this was a, a very awesome. Got a little deep on this conversation, you know, but but as as it should. But yeah, man, it was really awesome having you on. Great to talk with you. You know, really looking forward to everything that you got coming out and, you know, good luck to you with everything. And yeah, man, we'll, I'm sure we'll be I'm sure we'll be talking again soon. So, but yeah, we want to thank you yes, for, yes. for coming on and talking with us. All right. Peace. Peace.